Our reading from the New Testament comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, and we're going to read Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12. The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. We all know these words, this passage, as the Beatitudes. Let us listen to God's word for us this morning. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. Then after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Redeeming God, you come to us in Christ to rescue us from slavery and lead us out of captivity. Guide us by the wisdom of the cross. Show us how to live a life of justice and love and blessedness. Fill us with your spirit as we hear your word this day that we may be justice seekers and peacemakers, sharing your life among those who are forgotten, weak, or persecuted, and revealing to all your glory. Amen. I guess we all know the Beatitudes. Many homes, there are some of these words, a part of it at least, in some other form, painted on the walls, because they have some other deep meaning to you. Maybe it is, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are meek. Whatever it is, brothers and sisters, what do we mean when we say someone is blessed? Or the many different translations of the Greek word makarios. What does it mean to be fortunate or to be happy or to be blessed? I mean, in, we all know, we all, all have our own definition of what happiness is. The things which cause us to be happy, the things that cause people to be seen as fortunate, maybe include wealth, prosperity, and the ability to provide for your family. Maybe we think if we're healthy, that's enough to be called blessed. And if you add to that popularity and power, and having the respect of those around you. I mean, our list of what's happiness goes on and on and on. Other cultures pre- pre- promote different visions of what happiness looks like. Like Jesus, who was speaking to people who gathered around him. They were poor people. People who were physically poor without money. They were oppressed by, by the Roman authorities. 
In a sense, they were so tired of, of life and everything that life threw against them. People who were worried and who carried grudges and regrets. All the things that we know so well because it happens to us too. But when Jesus went up the mountain to sit down and to, to teach, he did not instruct them. I mean, the Beatitudes are describing are describing a certain reality of people who are different. Jesus is not insisting that happy people should find a reason to mourn or that people who eat enough should starve themselves in some other way and people who, who don't see justice would starve themselves to see justice done. Maybe you, you grieve or you don't. Maybe some people are concerned about social justice and others not. Maybe this week shootings and, and killing of people just went by us and it doesn't touch us. But the people who work and live in a certain way, they are the people that Jesus says this morning are blessed. Because God looks with favor upon them. Because they are part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom that's already present, but the kingdom that is not present. That is still coming. The things that Jesus described, says if Jesus says, this is the way things are. Some people mourn and some people are meek and some grieve and some are peacemakers. But there's a substory to this one. I mean, at the end of chapter 4, Matthew had introduced Jesus. And we heard that Jesus had the power to heal people who came to him. From the beginning of chapter 5, Matthew tells us the story about how Jesus then will heal this society and this world. Begins the story of Jesus as Jesus ascended the mountain. And Matthew is writing for a Jewish audience. Maybe knew that people would bring two and two together. I mean, Moses went up the mountain to receive God's laws. Jesus is up on the mountain sitting down like a rabbi. And so he is the Moses of the New Testament. The Moses who represents people being let out of Egypt, out of slavery, into a new freedom. You see, Matthew's gospel, and you will hear that a few times this year, also reflects a lot of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1, 2, and 7, speak of good news for the poor, comforting all who mourn and, and of inheriting the earth. And Matthew's Beatitudes make an implicit Christological claim this Jesus, this one who is speaking the Beatitudes, is the anointed one of Isaiah 61. The one who was promised to come and begin something new in this world. He is God's Mashiach, the anointed one, Jesus the Christ. And so when Jesus sits down and, and he talks, speaks the Beatitudes, he describes reality. But it's not our reality, we know that. 
Maybe we, we still think that some people are poor in spirit, whoever they may be. Maybe we still want to spiritualize the Beatitudes, just to get it away from our own flesh and our own li- lives. It's interesting to go and read Eugene Peterson's The Message, how he interprets all of these Beatitudes in something that makes it easier to get, to understand. But Matthew, brothers and sisters, does not spiritualize material poverty. He does not spiritualize meekness or a longing and a, a striving for, for justice. Does not spiritualize merciful or being pure. But he brings it and he, and he, he deepens it. He talks about it to, to deepen the significance for this world and for us who call ourselves Christians. And yet even today we know that the meek gets nothing in our world. And we often see the merciful as weaklings who cannot revenge themselves. And those who mourn too long are told to get their act together. And the pure in heart, maybe we think they are just a little bit naive. But the Beatitudes, brothers and sisters... Locate this world that we live in with all its sorrow and injustice and tragedy and killings. Locates this world within the reign of God's spirit and the arrival of God's Messiah. A sign of God's transforming love and righteousness. Meaning that nothing that happens here, not in Mount Pleasant or in Mount Pleasant Presbyterian Church or the USA or South Carolina or Kentucky. Nothing of that is outside the reach of God's spirit and of God's people. But Matthew says that God's reign is interrupting everything that we expect of life. The language of blessed are those is not something we expect or experience in our world. And therefore it's in a sense eschatological logic. A logic at the end of times when God will be all in all. When creation will be restored to what God intended it to be from the beginning. Where people will live in love and acceptance of everyone. But in the meantime, God's future that we know of, we are Christians, we have heard about it. God's future challenges us to be signs of another reality. To be signs, brothers and sisters, in the way that we, that we have a new way of living. A new way of thinking, a new way of treating people. And that here and now, not for one day. And not only for Mother Teresa and all the other heroes that we, that we sing the praises of. But us, for us. Because God's kingdom and God's reign is already present among us and in us and through us. But it's not yet present. It's appearing among us and will appear more and more the more that we recognize that we are part of this new kingdom and reign of God. And as each of these beatitudes penetrate our lives, the criteria of God's steadfast love breaks into our personal imagination. 
And we as community become a place that represent God in this world because we read the Beatitudes and they change us. Ordinary expectations that the ultimate happiness is in money and power and whatever our culture promotes. Those ordinary expectations are reversed until we discover the truth that the people who are unable to be the movers and the shakers of this world, those who wonder where the next meal will come from, they are ultimately God's priority because it's to them that God sends us. It's because for their sake that God has called the congregation to make a change in the world. And so they will be blessed because they, they receive right here and now. But they will be blessed in future because God favors the underdogs of society. In the time of Jesus, it wasn't the privileged classes of the Jewish culture or even the privileged people of our establishment who are the blessed people among us. They are part of that, yes. But the Beatitudes define happiness as, as different from anything that we are accustomed to here. We think blessings should be positive goods and gifts and money and big homes and big cars and so on. But Jesus comes and talks about the empty spaces. Talks about the longings and the hungers. The things which cause people to look for God. And Jesus spoke in the Beatitudes to the groups whom God deems worthy. Not by, worthy, uh, by virtue of their own achievement or status in society, but because God chooses to be on the side of the weak and the forgotten and the depressed and the justice seekers and the peacemakers and those persecuted because of their beliefs and those who make a difference in this world. Question is whether we can live into the spirit of the Beatitudes. Someone wrote, said, all it takes to live like this is simplicity, hopefulness, and compassion. These three principles allow us to be in the world while not totally shaped by the world. As Christians, brothers and sisters, we must offer an alternative to what our world seems to be pursuing. Open compassion. People in the congregational diagnosis will tell you those are two of the strong characteristics of any congregation. People are looking for hope and for, for, for compassion. To be accepted, to be walked with. You see, if we manage to live this way, the Beatitudes become an encouraging promise because the verbs in this part is all in the future tense. They will be comforted and they will see God. Blessings promised in a way which makes them present here and now. As Jesus, God in flesh, announced that he is in our midst, God is in our midst, and all these blessings are part of our lives. We, are, we who are included in the kingdom of God by virtue of our faith in Jesus the Christ. And people will continue, brothers and sisters, to see Christ here in us, among us, experience 
Christ in our ministries here in worship. The question is where do you identify yourself with? As poor or mourning or meek, working for justice, merciful peacemakers? Not because these are requirements to enter the kingdom of God, but because they are part of our eschatological blessings. Because all people who find consolation from God in a community whose lives proclaim and live the good news of the kingdom. To be blessed, indeed, is not simply to be happy and to think you are fortunate, but it is to know that we are included in the coming reign of the living God, that we are already part of that, that's why we worship. But that when this kingdom becomes a reality, we will be there. Because in Jesus the Christ, we hear that we are God's holy ones. We are the saints. And this reign, reign, the kingdom of God, is to be able to embody a new way of seeing. We have to see the poor people in a different way. We have to see the less fortunate people in a different way, the outsiders. This kingdom of God, brothers and sisters, is a new way of naming what is important, the new way of being in the world every day. And so as Christians, as Church of Jesus Christ, we are invited to look again, to discern a new reality, to discern God's future, which is present, but is not yet so that we can see it. It is here, present in the lives of many people around us. And yet, it is not always present in the lives of many people around us. But we are called through the Beatitudes to recognize the blessed people who call us through their lives to live into God's new future. Amen.